Hello and welcome to the very first Body and Mind Factory podcast. I'm your host, Blake Morrison, owner and operator of Body and Mind Factory in Burley Heads. I'm very, very, very lucky today for my very first podcast to be interviewing Dominic Bedgood, Commonwealth Games gold medalist in the 10 metre individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Dom have been friends for a very, very long time and he's a massive inspiration of mine. Dom and I. <laughs> Dom and I, yes. Um, and we have been talking about doing, or I have been talking about doing this for a very long time and I always said that I wanted him to be the person I interviewed first. He truly is a massive inspiration in my life um, and I just want to get his, I don't know, his inspiration out to others. Um, hopefully everyone else gets a lot out of it uh, as well. So I'm just going to be asking him questions about his training, about the community uh, works with and stuff, some of the mindset stuff that obviously a Commonwealth and Olympic um, athlete has to go through to get to those type of levels. Um, I think if we just use even just small parts of what a supreme athlete uses for their mindset, it can be massively uh, helpful for just day-to-day life um, for our, our normal getting around. So, anyway. Hello. M- yeah, here he is. Dom here is he's here. Um, so, mate, the biggest one, dude, how did how did we meet, I reckon, would be the first thing to... Um, to establish? Yeah, to establish. We met four years ago, so I'd just come back from my first Commonwealth Games, <clears throat> and I just won gold, actually, in the synchro. And my sister, Corinne, who you coach, obviously, was telling me about this new... PT guy she's kind of uh, gone to and how much of a hard ass you were. And I was kind of in the off season when I needed to keep fit and get back into training. So I went along, I think it was, it was at, where was it? It was across the bridge. Ah, uh, Woodgy. Woodgy. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. It was Woodgy. That was on the Gold Coast. <laughs> we'll uh, right. know Woodgy Street. And if Woody you've ever trained with me, you'll know Woodgy Street as well. It's the our... infamous Woodgy Street, yeah. my <laughs> first session. And yeah, we met then and then we just kind of kicked it off ever since then. Yeah. I guess we had very similar mindsets. So it was something that I really, really admired your mindset and your attitude towards life in general. And I was very young. I was only 19, so... I was still very vulnerable in what I was doing and I mm. kind of saw that and uh, had someone to look up to for that and then we kind of just kicked off ever since. Yeah, and that definitely has it. it uh, everyone always gives it to us so that uh, we've got a little bromance going but that's what it happens when yeah, like-minded <laughs> people get together. Um, and then I had a little journey myself uh, um, to because I was a clunky old footballer and I wanted to learn how to do a handstand and a backflip and well, there's no greater person to ask. I think that someone's closest to me that's uh, an Olympian um, that has to do a handstand on a 10 meter platform. So uh, yes, that sort of kicked off the relationship even more. I reached out to him. That's where it started. Yeah. And um, just said, mate, can you can you give me some help? And he uh, happily said yes. And yeah, that journey just continued on from there. Uh, I can now do a handstand, sort of. Uh, he does give me a pat on the back for something that probably doesn't look like <laughs> one, getting, but right, he's I'm, getting better. I'm, he's get, getting better. I'm getting there, and we did manage to pull off some sort of a backflip at, at Bouncer a few months ago. Um, so yeah, um, but mate, for, for everyone, to be helpful for everyone, um, I think one of the things I'd like to sort of ask you about is what's one of the most memorable moments from the Com Games. So what's what sort of sticks with you? Because I know like we go through all these things where we have. Yeah, big moments in our life. Uh, we achieve great things, and then to step back and actually go, "Geez, what do I what do I remember most about it?" is it would be interesting to hear for what you have to say about it. 
Yeah, so this Commonwealth Games, I guess, for me was uh, something different that I... It was nothing like I'd ever experienced, obviously, first. It was a home games. It was my third game. So I did uh, Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, and I did the Olympic Games in Rio. And this was the first kind of games that I really came into it with a completely different mindset. And a lot of that, not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but stemmed from you and all the conversations that we've had prior to the Commonwealth Games about living in the moment and really enjoying it and being grateful for all the little things around kind of myself and what I was doing. And that was something I never did in any of the other games. Mm. You know, especially Rio. When people ask me about Rio, it's such a blur. I can't remember much of it at all. And I look back on that experience with not the, you know, best kind of positive outlook on it. It was more negative than positive. And so these games, I really wanted to enjoy it and embrace it and kind of soak up the atmosphere as much and not block it out, which is what I did in previous Mm. games. You know, I tried to block out all the external pressures and I put too much expectation on myself and I didn't want to do that. So this games for me, the most memorable moment was honestly, I want to say, well, there was a few. So I know I won the gold, obviously an individual and that was huge for me. And I also won two bronzes, which no one cares about, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, those were really, really great to have before I did the individual and, Every memorable moment that I had was before my comps and after my comps. Seeing my family before, something I would never have done. I was always sheltered off and I kind of blocked them out because I didn't want to... I thought I had to be in this kind of little bubble of uh, of myself and like nothing could come into that bubble. Otherwise, I'd get distracted and I wouldn't compete well. Mm -hmm. But I really just embraced seeing my family and my mother and my girlfriend and even you after my competitions and before... So it's really, yeah, it's really hard because, you know, a lot of people would have expected that winning the gold, that moment would have been the best moment for me, but it was actually sitting at, uh, in a pub. So it was right after I'd won gold, I'd done the medal ceremony and I'd done my drug test. It took fucking forever. Ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was waiting, but I was willing to wait. Waited, waited for two hours, but we went to, you know, my girlfriend, Brittany, brought me to this pub where everyone, you know, my family, my mother, my brother, my sister, and, you know, my best mates, you and B were there. And that was honestly the best moment of the game. Just sitting there and kind of looking at everyone that had helped me get there and really appreciating how much that meant. Not only... Like, it's, it's really hard because in an individual sport, you, people think you're doing it for yourself. And it's a really, it's a mindset that kind of switched to that night of, you know, I'm not just doing this for myself anymore. I want to do this for other people because it, I saw how happy everyone was and how we all came together in that moment. And that was probably my favorite favorite moment of the game just that it was this shitty little pub it was like <laughs> yeah. two o'clock in the morning like <laughs> yeah. everyone was tired and wanted to go home and then when I arrived like everyone was just screaming yeah. like and that meant that kind of gave me more goosebumps I guess than actually Taking when I found gold. out that I won the gold mm. you know that was like awesome even talking about it now like just put such a smile on my face because it was just, yeah that that was my favorite moment for sure that's awesome man uh yeah look I was actually lucky enough and and one of my actual life moments to be a part of the whole experience, uh, it's hard to explain, mate. Like, it's hard to just to watch you out there doing your thing. And then, obviously, for you to win was even even more extraordinary. Just watching it was good enough, but then for you to win, and like I said, to go back after that and see everyone there, 
Um, we did have a conversation a little while ago around that, and that was just only my, my own beliefs. Me personally, I'm, I'm going back to play rugby league again, not at a level that I was playing at, but going back. And, and one of the things I just said to him that was the thing that I, I yeah probably missed out on was just taking in the moments that really count. You know, you, sure, you, try and, you try and wash over them because yeah. you want to concentrate and you want to be seen as focusing and all that kind of stuff. But I think that empowers you even more by just taking in those people around you uh, taking in their inspiration and the things that you're doing it for, uh, yeah, can be pretty powerful. But yeah, it was it was it was an amazing moment, mate. Coming back to the the dingy old pub in Southport, <laughs> and um, but ha- ha- having a little uh, celebration. Um, awesome, man. So we're just going to like move into the three pillars of my business: uh, movement, community, and mindset. And I, like I said in my intro, I, I really believe if if you if you have those. Uh, really strong. It creates a massive foundation for you to uh, build success off. Um, yeah, there's many other things as well, but I think if those three pillars in your life are strong, then you have a you know untapped potential to keep just keep working at. So, mate, for your for your, for your movement, you know, so I classify movement as you know your training, um, whatever you're doing to get your body going of a day. So, might some people might be yoga, some people might be stretching, some might be running. That's why I want to interview lots of different people, so we get lots of different uh, stuff, yeah, yeah, all different things we're doing. Yeah. Um, like it's, I think it would be interesting for people to probably recognize and realize how often do you actually train so in i know you have off seasons and and you know pre-season that kind of style but in general how often do you think you would train per week uh we well, we definitely train six days a week so sunday's our only day off mm-hmm. and every day we train twice a day tuesdays thursdays and saturdays is weights yep. and water session uh every afternoon so we're looking at you know 30 hours a week of training alone but then Within that training, there's so much more that we kind of do behind the scenes. And especially now that I've kind of evolved into this more mature athlete, there's nutritionists that you have to keep on top of. There's physio appointments, there's Mm. massage therapy appointments, there's psych appointments, there's all these things that I now have to fit into my schedule. So it's more so than just training. You know, everyone just thinks... (laughs) Oh, he's an Olympic athlete, all he does is train all day. Yeah. But it's kind of more to that, and there's more in the background that people don't see. Yeah, definitely. That are where the real gains come from. It's all mm. those little 1% gains that make up the difference in the end. For sure. I know that uh, Dom and I have had a few conversations around uh, mindset and those types of things, uh, and training and movement, and people do sort of, you know, they play it down and they go, oh, you should be able to do that because you're an Olympic athlete. Well, you know what? You have to do the work. And I've seen this guy do the work over and over and over. That's why he inspires me so much. Um, and then you just have people saying, well, you don't know what a day's work is like. Well, I'll tell you right now, if someone on the tools wants to have a go at the week that he has, I'm sure that they'll go back straight back to the tools, you know, so because it's not only the physical output that he has to do, it's also the, the um, emotional and mental sides that he has to keep up on as well. And as you were saying then, now he has to also look after his, you know, his well-being, but not yeah. only that, also his uh, reputation, you know. So he does have to be looking after himself and he is mature enough to know that that's what he's got to do as well. So, um, yeah, it's very, very interesting there. Um, what what would be, away from diving, yeah. I know you love diving, obviously, <laughs> um, but away from diving, what would be your favourite exercise, movement, training? Um, yeah, what would, it, what would your favourite favorite session or thing to do? 
Um, something that really, now that I do, that kind of keeps me grounded and keeps me moving is a Sunday sesh mm-hmm. with you. God, sounds like an amazing Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think but we like, do so, have a brain mix <laughs> No, but just the simple handstands on the beach followed by, you know, some type of healthy meal. Kind of that, just moving the body on the days where you're having a rest. You know, a lot of people think that on their rest day, they have to do absolutely nothing. Like that is the definition of rest, sitting on the couch, watching Netflix, doing fuck all. And I used used to do that all the time. You know, I used to even say to Brittany, you know, she'd be like, come on, let's go do something. And I'd be like, no, no, Sundays is my rest day. Like I'm going to sit in bed all day. Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing nothing. Like I'm going to sit in bed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm not doing shit or like, but moving your body, even on the, like we call it active rest, I guess, you know, doing little things like coming into the gym, doing a bit of row up, doing a bit of handstands and then going, you know, just relaxing on the beach, getting a good meal into you. That's something that I really, really need now in my week's um, kind of training schedule. You, you know, that's break it up a little bit exactly. And and people say, you know, that's not resting, but for me that is because that's getting me mentally away from the mental strains of kind of sports. And even though it is it, it is a type of physical activity, it's it's relaxing of the brain and going to P three with you mm. and doing. <clears throat> doing recovery, doing the baths, you know, reading books while we're doing yeah. saunas, kind yeah. of just any any way I can to expand my knowledge outside of sports. Yeah. I've definitely learned that, I guess, uh, from you. And I've obviously learned that as I kind of mature in my yeah. years. Yeah, so we... How important it is. We, there's a, on our Sundays, we, like I said, we do our active recovery sort of thing, you know, uh, move the body in whatever way we sort of can, which is not... You know, sore or stiff, or even just get any moving, and then we go to a uh, place on the Gold Coast uh, called P3, and uh, we're we're both A type personalities. So I know there's a lot of you out there. So A type personality would just be, you know, it's hard to sit down, it's hard to sit on the couch and do nothing. Um, so what we try and both of us, because we're both like that, um, we tr- actually go to a place where we're doing recovery. So we might be putting compression boots on, we might be in a sauna. We might be in an ice bath, um, and we actually feel like, if even if it's not, we feel like we're actively doing something to recover. Um, it's nice to have the contrast of like compression, so we can still be reading a book or listening to a podcast or um, an, an audio. Doing uni work. Yeah, doing, doing, doing work. I always sit there with my laptop doing my work as well, and then we can cr- uh, contrast and go into the ice bars where you're not allowed to have any phones or anything like that, and you can just sit there with your own mind. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one of my favourite sessions of the week as well, uh, the catch-up, and just... Because the sometimes the hard stuff during the week is good for us, but then it's also nice to do the active recovery stuff as well. Mate, um, I know that we could just go on and on about training. We just keep, we could just talk about it all, all day. But um, one of the big things, like I was saying, with, with the pillars is, is a community. Mm. So with my business, like I, I wholly and solely base it off this. If there's no community, there's nothing. Life breeds Absolutely. life. Yeah. Um, what I suppose everyone thinks obviously diving is individual because it is you it is you up there on the on the platform by yourself. Yeah. But what does your team like? What does your community look like in I suppose the smaller scope uh, of the Australian team? And then obviously if you want to expand on that from there as well. Yeah. So when I first started, I guess sports in general, uh, high level elite sports, 
you know, people have this idea that it's just you and only you can get through it and it's somewhat of like a kind of like a alpha type personality. Almost if there's something going wrong, no one can fix it by myself or I don't need anyone to fix it by myself because if I get external help, that's weakness. And I was I was so in that hole when I was younger. Uh, you know, if, if psychologically I wasn't doing well, uh, my coaches would suggest uh, sports psychs and I would just think anyone that has mental problems kind of in sports or if it was struggling on something, well, that's just weakness. I, I don't need that. And yeah. so... I really didn't have a community before I, uh, I guess the first kind of little bit of community was you Mm -hmm. and then that kind of evolved into expanding my mind as to how important it is to have those people around you. And then Brittany, my girlfriend, she was a huge, huge, or she's played a huge part in my sporting career ever since we met. So yep. we met when I was 19. Yep. So I was young and just dumb and naive and just thought I knew everything. Love you, Brit. Yeah, love you, Brit. <laughs> I was just a typical kind of 19-year-old and thought, like, I had the answers to the world's problems. Yeah. And I, you know, would quickly come to realize that a commu- if, if you don't have those people around you supporting you every day and... Um, kind of they're the reason that you wake up in the morning then you slowly crumble and you just you just uh, kind of like self-employed really yeah 100% Um, and it's it's I so like you know my little community is my coach my nutritionist my physio my psych my partner Brittany and you know, I refer to Blake as kind of my life coach. You know, he's the person that keeps my feet on the ground. My coach is the one that guides me in my sporting career. My nutritionist keeps me healthy with recovery of what to put in my body. My psych gives me perspective on a lot of things uh, every time I debrief with her. My physio just keeps me well and fit with all the little injuries that I get. And he assures that I can continue training hard and to my f- full potential. And Brit just keeps all of that kind of in motion. You know, she's kind of like the wheels on the car. Like, without her, the fucking car doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, so, you know, it, I have a really big team around me. And it's it's something that I've only just recently, just recently acquired. You know, it's not something I've had forever. And it just goes to show you how effective it can be. I mean, I went from... You know, a, a good diver. I was an Olympic diver, but I I didn't really have the potential to be um, somewhat world class in my perspective. I didn't think I had the potential to be world class. Looking back at it now, to now winning gold, then two bronze medals at the Commonwealth Games, and I a hundred percent can say that's because of the community and the people that I've built around me have helped me get to that next level, and will continue to help me to get to the next level after that it's it's the people that kind of drive and back you because it's it's such a it's a fucking lonely road if you think you can go it by yourself like it it sucks you know like like i was saying before just sitting on the fucking couch on a sunday versus doing handstands and coffee with you like i look forward to that so much now and even and even brit understands that that's something that like i need you know if she's if she if something goes wrong during the week she'll say you know just tell blake on sunday you know it's it's something that is is huge. So like community yeah. is is huge. And, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. It's massive. Like it's 
I've built my whole business off it. Like I said, I just believe it is the way forward for everyone, um, whether it's be little communities, big communities. Like I said, Dom saying there, there's like um, he's got a team around him. Um, he's also got his like, teammates as well, that kind of thing. And he's 120% like on track with like this guy. He's, what are we now, 23? 23. 23. He's got well. I'm I'm 31, and he's 23. And I said to him the other a few months ago, I was like, "Mate, you have got the brain that I have now at 31. Uh, you are going to be unstoppable." Because when I was I was only a couple of years ago, I had that same feeling around ha- getting help was weakness. Uh, I was a coach myself. I'm a PT, and I believed if I had a coach myself, that was seen as weak because I needed to know what I should have been doing, which is absolutely ridiculous. A coach is about uh, someone to bounce off, someone to reflect with, someone to keep you accountable, um, and yes, and and sometimes just to pull your head in, yeah. just to fucking pull you back Absolutely. into line and go, oi, mate, get your head back on on this earth, um, and start to get done. And then, last but not least, would just be belief. Just someone saying you can do this. Yeah, you know? we know we all have we, we do have self belief, but someone pushing that and massively pushes it, like just skyrockets it. That's where I think. Yeah, I reckon that's where people. Some people find themselves kind of stuck at this point where they feel like they're not progressing because it's almost like they're too scared to ask for help from anybody that they feel. It, uh, so, like, if I put it this way, people I know in the sporting world, some people only take advice from those who have succeeded and have mm. done what they wanted to do. Whereas I feel like those who are truly successful will ask someone that is behind them, yep. but can see that they are doing something in a way that they're not doing. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're successful in their own. Like I myself way. trained with this kid who's who's seventeen. And he's done like with all due respect, like he's done nothing in mm. diving. Yeah. But I will, if I see him doing a skill that I know that I struggle with, but he's not, I will happily ask for yeah. his advice on it. Yeah. Because I know that he can help me get better. And I think a lot, I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with that. Yeah, it's kind of like they look at uh, they look at if they ask someone that's kind of behind them, then. They feel like they're not on the right track. They feel like, oh, I'm asking this kid who mm. knows nothing. That means I'm not. Uh, oh, yeah, it's like name? a beneath, or it's even yeah. the biggest thing. Is that it's, it's that big thing that sits on our shoulder. It's called the ego. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> the ego. Like people have too, have too big of an yeah. ego to ask those for kind of help, help around them. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And like I, I've even said to Dom a few times, like you know, mate, I, I don't know how to dive, um, but this is my belief or this is how I would see it this is my perspective sometimes it's it's just a perspective from someone else's view um, that you value and you can take bits that you need and leave bits that you don't you know you don't have to always just take everything as gospel as well you don't have to drink from the fountain um, you know or drink the Kool-Aid as the Americans would say it can just be literally just bits and pieces of things you can pick up which can increase that growth um you will hear me say this heaps throughout my podcasting, um, but I truly believe that uh, social isolation is one of the biggest killers in the world at the moment. Um, I believe that uh, this is the steps into the grave, so it starts there and goes further. So as soon as you isolate yourself, problems get bigger, um, and not because they are bigger, just because you see them as bigger. Yeah, if you think about it, what's the if you were sent to jail for doing something wrong, what is the worst thing they can do to you in jail? And that is to isolate you even further. So they've taken everything away from you 
And then the worst thing they can actually do to you is isolate you even further and put you in a padded room and just leave you there. So we do that to ourselves. So as Dom was saying, the better he got, the more people he got around him uh, to create that environment, that community to make the growth come. So if you're thinking about that, guys, if that's you, just think about it. Just let it sit in there. Like I said in my intro, I want to ask good questions, put good content out there. If that's you, put yourself around good people Change your environment as quickly as possible. See someone that's successful that you're in a field that you want to be successful in and just go hang out with them. Um, you know, recognize good people and just go hang out with them. Just talk to them, ask them questions, ask them for help. Uh, people will want to help. We do want to be good people. We just need to be shown and we need to have the opportunity to be a good person. Um, Absolutely. But probably that may, that steps into a great like, pathway into you know, the mindset of what it takes to be an athlete and what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. Um, we've had so many conversations around this. Um, I know this is going to be really tricky because it's, you know, I know there's multiple things. Yeah. Um, what do you find that is probably one of the most important things just to prepare yourself for just the weekly? Like I know like the preparation for a big event is, is, is big and it's massive and you've got to get yourself right and all that kind of stuff with the mind. Uh, and people might look past that and they go, well, he's got to dive off a platform for an Olympic gold medal. But what about just the day-to-day, just to get up? Because I know you wake up at 4, in the clock in the, 4 o'clock in the morning even earlier mm. to drive to Brisbane, to train, to stay in Brisbane all day, yeah. to come home, do meetings, to go do media interviews, to do physio, train again, and then drive back home. So what do you do uh, daily, weekly to prepare, prepare your mind for that, for you to be able to do it and just keep turning up? Um, <laughs> well, that's a big. That's a big no, question. That's a big, a big question. question. No, that's a good question. Um, I kind of, I would have to say, the biggest thing with what kind of drives me is I absolutely love what I do, and I think that's the biggest killer with success is those who find themselves not succeeding in whatever they're doing. It's they. I honestly believe that deep down they don't love it. They do it for all the wrong reasons, mm. and. That's where I that's where I used to be as an athlete. I was doing I was training because I I had to win an Olympic medal. I had to win a Commonwealth medal, and I was training because I had to be number one. And that was the only thing that was on my mind. And it just kind of it made me hate this not it not made me hate the sport, but it just made me hate what I was doing. Mm. Um, so I think the thing that keeps driving me every day. Oh, Spot. It is massive. It, um, it is actually a big question because I could. I knew whenever I wrote it down, I was like, "Holy shit!" How, how, see how it goes with this one. It's <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's tricky because it's it's mm, it's for. I'm just trying to yeah figure out how I can articulate it. Even even me personally, like so, I, I have to get up at very similar times to yourself. Yeah. And I know it's like it's a, and I love I love my business so like there's you could never question that I just love helping people love the passion side of it um, and f- for me personally behind it uh, what mine is just to help just to help break it out is just I, I truly myself want to leave a legacy um, and when I when I leave this earth I actually want people to say good things about me. Uh, I know I don't have full control over that, but I do have control over my own actions mm. and what I can do. Um, and I want people to, I want to be remembered as being reliable. I want to be remembered. So they might like true deep values. And so then all of my goals and my work ethic and all those things come off the back of my values of that, 
and I know you're the same, man. I know, like, I know you, I know you actually like being that guy that's like he just keeps turning up, like he was will not give up. You know? Yeah, so. I think um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, everyone has their thing in life. You know, whether it's with you and working with people, and you have this amazing ability to connect with people on a level that others can't. And I think the thing that you you almost maybe have this subconscious thing of you owe it to yourself to get up for these people that you can connect with that nobody else can 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 do. And I feel like maybe that's maybe that's kind of how subconsciously I feel. I feel I have this. Uh, I want to say talent. Yeah, I'm saying it's a talent. Um, yeah. I have this talent, and I, I've seen the the sacrifice and the heartache that you know people around me that I've gone through, and my family have gone through, to kind of see me at this point where I am, and now it's just become this thing where I want to prove, I want to see where I can take my full potential, and I think if I wake up giving it anything less, then it's just a waste of a life, and it's a waste of something that I feel like I've been given and that's the kind of mindset I, that I have that's why <clears throat> I truly believe anything anyone ever does you you kind of have to give it a hundred percent because if you have that you know one foot in one foot out type of mindset you'll find yourself quickly in this uh you know this fucking horrible yeah. headspace of failure state yeah yeah this, this just this huge fear of failure and this this feeling of why is why am I moving forward in this? Yeah. Um, and I, that's probably that's probably what gets me up every day. Yeah, you know, I guess I guess you don't you don't really think about it from day to day. You just wake up and you know what you have to do. Yeah. It's 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 kind of embedded into you that that's that's but it's embedded into you off the back of years and years of um, what do you call it? Having like routine, mm. having what's it called when you have like that. Just like daily, daily habit, daily standards. Habits, yeah. yeah when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that it's embedded into you, kind of off the back of years and years of good habits. Yeah, for sure. And because I've, I've, I've been doing this. You know, I'm doing this shit since I was nine. And I've woken up at this time every morning since I was nine. Mm. Have I ever told you the story of um, when I was, I was ten years old and we didn't have a car for like six months. What happened? Okay, yeah. so yeah, so I was doing gymnastics in Brisbane, and I used to do gymnastics down here, but the the gymnastics center that I was at, you know, my coach saw that I had a bit more, I think had a bit more talent than that he could kind of handle. So he believed that I should go to a high performance center and it was in Brisbane, the QAS. And uh, we went up there and then my mum kind of moved our whole life to Brisbane and my dad stayed back here to work. But uh, there was this one kind of six month period where we, we had this old piece of shit there (laughs) <laughs> and we just had it for so long and it, it just bugged out on us. And, you know, we didn't have the money to quickly get a new car or get a backup car. Yep. So for six months, you know, my mum said to me, um, you, she, she, was, she was so amazing. She made it work. You know, she, she, I saw what I had to do when I was nine years old. I, I'd go to training at 6.30 at 8.30 and I'd go to school from, you know, 9 to 3. And then I'd go back to training from 3.30 to 7. So I've done that since I was nine to now. <laughs> and she said to me, you know, we, I can make this work. I can get you to training. I can get you to school, back to training and back home. But you've got to be willing to, you know, wake up at, you know, an hour earlier than you have to. And I said, and like when I was 10 years old, like I didn't, I can't remember what it was in my head. It's hard to grasp why. Yeah, like yeah. it was so long ago, but I just said yes. And my mum, my mum always said ever since that day, she knew I was going to be successful. 
because I just went, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes, mum, to you know make this work. I was ten years old, and I, yeah. like I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. But my so my routine when I was ten years old looked like so we would wake up. So usually I would wake up at uh, about five thirty, and we would leave the house at six to get a train at six thirty. So I lived about twenty minutes away. So now we had to wake up at quarter to four. We had to be at the out of the house latest at quarter past four to walk a. It was about one point five k's to the train station, and I'd catch a train uh, about. 20, 30 minute train ride. If the math doesn't add up in this, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it was like 20, 30 minute train ride. And then we would catch two buses. And then we would walk about 1.5 to 2K to get to training by 6.30. And I'd train 6.30 to 8.30. And then luckily my school wasn't too far away. It was just one bus trip away. My mum would take me on the bus, drop me off at school. I don't know what she did. I, till this day, I don't know what <laughs> she did. She, she must have gone to the shops or something. Because she quit her job so that I could train. Because uh, she was a swim teacher on the Gold Coast, so she completely moved her life. And then she would come pick me up at 2.30 because I had to get the bus a bit early just so I could get to training at 3.30. And she'd come get me, would take the bus back home, I mean back to training. I'd train 3.30 to 7, catch the bus at 7.30, would be home at about 8.30. You know, she'd cook me dinner while I did my homework. I would eat, I'd go to sleep and I'd get up. And I did that again for six months when I was 10. And she made sure that once a week... She would let me pick a one day out of the week where she'd give me a treat and she would buy a taxi for us to go from home straight to training in the morning so I didn't have to get up so early. And um, yeah, that that kind of, I guess for her, was like the turning point of how dedicated I was to training even at such a young age. But even back then, I don't know what went through my head to get up every day, but that's the habit. Like that's the habit that I've incorporated or that's embedded into me now. So... What, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm, that story. I'm sitting here with goosebumps and I one, told that story. who, what 10 year old gets up at four o'clock for that, for mm. that. So if you're out there and you've got a 10 year old that won't wake up before four, what are they doing? Uh, but no, um, and thank you very much to mum because mum, one, you're an absolute amazing woman just to even, uh, contemplate doing that. And then obviously yeah. to follow through. And two, you've done an amazing job to create an amazing human that's sitting beside me as well. So, um, yeah, like I said, guys, that you know, if I suppose if you do look at anything, obviously you've got to be wanting to do it. You know, like yeah, you said, it comes down to deep, deep love and deep want to be able to do it. It comes through. He made a decision, and then once the decision's made, it was that was it. There's no more. There's no more thinking about it. I'm doing it, and whatever it takes, mate. That. I well, don't a, think I can top that. There. That's a, I, yeah, that's, I can't believe I've never told you that yeah. story. Um, I guess it goes back to the community thing too. I'm sure when I was 10, subconsciously I was doing it, not just for myself, but for my mum who was doing this for me too. Yeah. Because I, 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 I guess I, I must have grasped the, somewhat of a concept that she'd given up so much for me. So mm. it's the least I can do to give it my 100% every day. Yeah. And that's, that's probably, yeah, now that you've asked that question, now that I think about it, that's absolutely... You know, I don't just do it for myself. I do it for those around me. Yeah, I owe it not. I owe it not to my just to myself, but to everyone around me to give it a hundred percent to see how far I can get. Yeah, definitely. And I know, mate. If if it comes anything from mine, I know you do value my opinion. That is a hundred like that is a big, big thing. If you can say uh, that you give it a hundred percent, like I, I did when I was playing rugby league, I I didn't make it as high as what I did want to. 
but I can stand here with no regrets and say that I gave 100% to my effort. Yeah. I couldn't have done any more and I'm completely content and happy with what I've done and, and fulfilled yeah. from that journey, you know. So that's, that's, exactly a, that's amazing it. to hear that, mate. Um, dude, that was just incredible. I'm a bit stumped just even to hear it. It's still like, it's just an amazing thing that <laughs> one, that yeah, like <laughs> one that you, what your mum would do and obviously yeah, it's, it, if, you, if you think about it too, guys, like I've, I've asked him a question there about it was just it was just a, it was a deep question but it was just a question i think if you can do that for yourself why am i doing these things why do i want to do something why do i want to attempt that i think if you allow yourself to go deep and actually you know go in past the the top layer past the shell and actually go in and figure out why you're doing something one, you'll either make a stronger decision on and go harder and go deeper in it, or two, you'll give up and move to something new that you are passionate about and actually truly want to do. Because um, I think there's a lot of you know times, even with my clients, I think they kind of just do it because they want me to, like they want to make me happy, or they they mm. think it's the right thing to do. And truly, they never actually end up making it anyway. Um, it's the ones that make the true deep decision on what they what they want. Um, they sit down and, and actually go through that are the ones that make the true change. Uh, mate, the last thing would be if you were to give out a book to read. I know this is another tough one. I'm actually sitting in my um, little study at my house uh, in Varsity and there's four books on the table here um, and there's a bucket load behind me. Um, and I do believe you know, uh, leaders are readers uh, Dom is a leader and he does read. Me and him bounce books off each other and I think uh, we're going to have to actually either get a superpower to be able to read quicker um, or we're just going to have to just sit down and read them together and give out, give out book reports because we've got that many we want to read. Um, what would be the best book um, that you have read and that you got the most out of? Um... Probably the most recent one that my girlfriend bought me was called Relentless by Tim Grover, if I'm saying that right. And it's the one I've told you to read. And it, So this guy, he was Michael Jordan's main personal trainer and he was Kobe Bryant's trainer, Dwayne Wade's trainer and he's coached a whole bunch of really highly athletes. And it's essentially just about kind of like what we're talking about now, like community uh, mindset and all that and he he kind of describes the best athletes as cleaners, as ones that they don't overthink shit. They stick to their habits because they trust their habits enough to be able to make them as good as they need to be on game day. Mm. Um, and he just he kind of discusses a lot of things that I feel like we do in everyday scenarios, and that's overthink shit. You know, every day, like every time we give ourselves a task, whether it's like work or, you know, whether it's in myself in sports and we just start to overthink everything and, you know, oh, if I do this, you know, I could fail and if I fail, this is going to happen and all this other kind of external bullshit that we can't control, but we think we have control over. You know, we, for some reason, think that we can control an outcome that hasn't even happened yet. And that's what this guy talks about a lot. And I really like it. And I, that's why I reckon, um... Uh, I suggested it to you because it's it's you and him are very similar mindsets because like you always tell me you know you can't 
Oh, why'd you tell me before come off? It was like you can't you can't be upset of something that hasn't happened yet, or you can't yeah. you can't be scared of something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's it. You know, when I was kind of a bit worried about if I didn't do what everyone was expecting of me, how would they feel? Yeah, and you just yeah, you basically just said that, and it's kind of like wow, you know, kind of, it's something yeah. so simple, but it hits you pretty hard, and you're like, fuck, you're right. Yeah, you know, anxiety yeah. truly is fear of the future, oh, man, seriously, and future outcomes that we can't control most of the time as well. You know, so. I, yeah, one of the big ones there, which, I, like I said, I, I love those kinds of books that just pretty much explain to you, control what you can control and everything else, just let it be. You know, so if, you, if, if we try and control others and the outcomes that we're, you know, we'd like to have, you'll be surely disappointed. Um, so you're better off having, instead of expectation, have appreciation and just control what you can control. And what you can control is your emotions towards things, how you react to something. And that's as Dom was saying there, the cleaners, they just they just do the job. They just get it done. You know? so, yeah, they, they have such self-belief. They don't ever think shit. Yeah, they, just, they, they just do, yeah. That's, it. that's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You know? it's, it's something so simple that's so effective. Just don't overthink it. Don't, don't overthink it. Just get <laughs> it done. Uh, okay, guys, so uh, I'm... Super proud to say that uh, Don Bedgegood is my first person I've ever interviewed on on the Body and Mind Factory podcast. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks, for having, uh, thanks for coming on, mate, I should say. Um, and it's been a blast. I, I will say, guys, we could talk for hours, uh, and I will be getting him back on because you know I think we just scraped the surface, but you know what, the surface for for the time being is is going to be heaps for you to download. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, if you really enjoyed this. Uh, please share it with friends and family. And if there is uh, some you know, things you'd like to hear about or like things around the community or mindset or movement, just uh, you can actually add a little review there and add anything in that you'd like to hear or I'd like to hear from you. My email and all that kind of stuff is there as well. And we can just, yeah, bounce those things off. We actually get some different types of people on and, and uh, get this thing red hot. Uh, thanks, guys. I really do appreciate and I'm grateful for your time. I know that our time is limited uh, and where we put our time is where we put our love. So I do appreciate you guys listening. And for now, onwards and upwards.